This is Scamp Life, the other side, a bi-weekly podcast for summer camp professionals with your hosts, Kelly and Shauna. Now it's time for another thought-provoking episode exploring the amazing world of summer camp. All right, welcome back to another episode of Skimp Life, the other side. I'm Kelly and I've got Shauna with me again today. Hello. We've got a fun episode. So I read a book, shocker, um, (laughs) that I recommended to Shauna, but I read the older version and she is currently almost done with the newer version, but we're going to talk about it because it's a really, really great book. Uh, It talks about different generations in the workplace. So the difference between our books, um, so first of all, the book is Sticking Points by Hayden Shaw, and it talks about how to get generations working together in the 12 places they come apart. So my book is on four generations. Shauna has five. Yes. So hers includes the elusive Gen Z. Mm -hmm. And mine does not, but they are still, (laughs) I know, but we still both have the same 12 sticking points. Mm -hmm. And we both also have five steps for leading through the general gen general generational differences yes awesome you want to start yeah so we had had this conversation where i was like there's no good information out there about gen z like i'm having such a hard time relating to my staff as a millennial because they don't get my jokes and (laughs) (laughs) but i was like i want to know how to relate to them more and also just know what their like drive is like what what motivates them? It's so hard to find out because there's nothing out there about them. And they're really just starting to enter like the 18 plus workforce. So like, it's the first time that I'm seeing them last summer was my first all Gen Z staff. You recommended this book and said that it had Gen Z in it. And I bought it as we were talking. I was like, yeah, I need that. I've taken a few webinars, but like nothing was like, I wasn't. Yeah, it's, I feel like it's still so new. Like, even though, you know, we at conferences, like you said, webinars, like they're out there, but like the true research is not developed yet because Gen Z is still so new into the workforce. Yeah. Like, like I remember back when they were starting to do like research on us. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so I hope I hope it's helping you. It is honestly like even I haven't actually gotten to the Z- Gen Z portion yet, but I'm like just like one generation behind. So I'm at our generation right now, but I'm just finding it really interesting to learn like what is the motivations behind different generations, like the, the boomer generation, like it was very interesting to understand why they stay in like a position for forever um, or stay at the same company forever and why they look down on that when we do it. And they're probably going to look even more down on it when Gen Z starts doing it. But it was because they were promised to be able to take over one day Mm -hmm. and like, because that's how they saw it. And I was like, okay, this is making more sense. So when they tell you to, you know, just work hard and you'll be the president of the company Mm -hmm. one day, 
that is their reality, but it is not our reality, nor will it ever be that reality anymore. It's good to see where the generations are out of touch with each other. And that is helping me as I think about just, you know, because I work for an organization, not just a camp. So when I'm looking at that kind of stuff there, like the business side, I'm just like, okay, I I understand this Mm -hmm. now. (laughs) So it's definitely helping um, in that respect. Yeah, I would say because we both work, we both work for organizations, like, yes, we both oversee the camp side of it, but we work for organizations. So we work with our camp, our staff may not be, but we work with just about every generation in the workforce right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's traditionalists that are at my yeah, ours too. Place. I mean, they may not be. I don't think they're employees, but they are volunteers. Mm-hmm. Who, have a really heavy hand at the zoo because they, you know, they are there out on grounds talking to people and they have this long connection with the zoo. Some of them have been volunteers for like 30, 40 years. Wow. Yeah. So it's interesting when I do have conversations with them, I always feel uncomfortable because I don't <laughs> know how to talk to them. Um, but I think after reading that chapter of the book, I have a better understanding of where they're coming from, where some of their comments are coming from and the way that they think. So it is very helpful. I think that this is a great book for anybody who works in an office or just works in general, because we're, this is, um, Shaw says this a lot, but this is the first time in history where five generations were in the workforce mm-hmm. together. Um, and I thought that that was really interesting just to think about like, there's only ever been two and maybe three like aging right. Yeah, because he said the same thing in my version when it was only four generations in the workforce and saying that it's the first time there's been four. Um, So I was really excited when I heard that he wrote uh, another one with the same title to include Gen Z. But I also really like how this book is formatted. Have you noticed that it's like really nicely laid out? Like it gives you the introduction of the book itself Mm -hmm. and then you go into each chapter having a generation. Yeah. Did your um, book have like kind of like an infographic page for each mm-hmm. generation? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I really loved that because it shows you exactly what percentage of the population each generation is. And like, I didn't know that Gen Z outnumbered us, but they do. Yeah. There's about uh, five more million, five million more of them than there are us. Um, it, but it's not an us versus them. It's no, just- it is not. It's just like, wow, okay, people are having babies. (laughs) (laughs) But I really appreciated those little infographic because like it gave you like a lot of the key events and it like just the key events that differ between all the generations. I don't know. I would say like millennials and Gen Z, we have very tragic key Mm -hmm. events compared to previous generations where it was just like, not just like, but the one thing was like JFK or Vietnam or like a world war. Although the recession was pretty big. The great, the, the first recession um, yeah. for tradition, traditionalists. Yes. Tradition, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and what he, he calls those ghost stories, which yeah, I really I liked. That. I mm-hmm. love that analogy of ghost stories because it's things that have shaped our generations as a whole. So not just us as individual people, cause I'm sure we all have our own ghost stories that, you know, shape us as who we are but the generational ghost story. So obviously millennials has 9-11, like that's a given. Uh, but 
<laughs> yeah, but it's interesting to see. And a lot of things, us as millennials, like we learned in the history books, like in the textbooks growing up, like we've heard of every single one of these generational ghost stories. But we, I don't think, I know I never did until I really read this book, really associate those events with a specific generation. Yeah, no, same. Because, you know, in our mind, everybody who's alive at that point is experiencing it. Mm -hmm. At all different stages, whether in your formative years or your end stage years, you're going to take in it, you're going to take it in differently. And I thought that that was really great. I also like that they... Can, like they put in like the top music. Um, I listened mm -hmm. to some of the songs of the earlier generations and I have heard them. So I was like, okay, I'm not like that out of touch. Um, and like their top television shows or other entertainment before television was um, available or at least people had one in every house. Yes. So yeah, it's just, I, I really loved that part of the book. Like it's, I thought it was great. And that was uh, before we even get into the the, 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 the actual, the meat of the book and what the purpose of the book is talking about. Like, it really allows you to understand the generation before we even get to, which I really appreciated because there's a lot of books like this out there that just like dive right into it. And you're just like, okay, quick one-liner about traditionalists, quick one-liner about boomers, quick one-liner about Xers. Like, okay, that's great. I know what year they were part of their generations and, and leave it at that. But I really appreciated how Shad like really spent time on each generation. But yeah, I think that the setup of the book is genius. Like it, it really does that that whole backstory is the why. Mm -hmm. And like without that, you don't, you don't know it. So you're just making guesses or assumptions or stereotypes. And that's another big thing in the book is that he's not stereotyping the generations he's looking right. to common like big events or like commonalities like, in general commonalities, yeah commonalities in general amongst everybody in that generation so mm -hmm. like what they're into what's the media they're consuming and all of that um and not saying like well this is gen z and this is millennials it's just like this was their reality so then going into every chapter after we get through the the generations he then talks about the five steps as a full chapter so we understand what the five steps to get us through these sticking points are and then it's a chapter per sticking point do you want to go into those sticking points the first one is it's not dress code is it no, no it's, it's communication. communication that's right yeah i think that's the biggest one like yeah. i think everything falls back to communication but uh, so i'm glad he started off with that because i feel like that is probably the biggest sticking point we all struggle with because i mean you even mentioned it while while just talking about traditionalists and just trying to communicate with them yeah and last summer i just kept saying to my manager like i don't know how to communicate to my staff like i don't know how to let them know like this is important or like i really need you to do this right now um because i could communicate that to a millennial but i couldn't figure out how i was communicating wrong to gen z so then we go into from communication we go into decision making mm -hmm. and i thought that one was really interesting because we all make decisions differently so yeah. what i found out what was really interesting is the reason why gen x gets looked over so quickly is because of how big the boomer age was 
and then you've got millennials. And so there was really nothing for them to compete for. There was nothing for them to to try to get into. Uh, so they get looked over really quickly. And so it almost appears as if they don't have a voice. They don't have a say in that aspect, except for now, I would say a lot of middle managers and above are now in that roughly, unless a boomer has not given up their position. Gen Xers are really the ones that are holding those, but not very long because I, I see us as millennials really jumping in there and taking those roles. So that I found really interesting. And that, and that theme is throughout the book of Gen X does get looked over just because they are a smaller generation, but especially in decision-making because traditionalists were obviously they made all the rules, right? Like they, they are the ones who made the decisions because in their generation, children were seen and not heard and all of that. And then boomers come along and their decision making was based off of almost competition because of, there were so many of them, especially in the workforce, like not their, not their home decisions necessarily, but it was definitely a competition. And then you've got Xers. There's really not a lot like to focus on other than the fact that they are a smaller generation. And in doing so, they realized that the boomers weren't giving up their spots. So it wasn't like there was a lot, they were, they were good at just coming in, doing their job and leaving. Cause that's what they got told to do. It's yep. your time to listen, learn, and wait. And they waited and they waited and they waited. And then we came in and we were hungry for recognition and to prove ourselves because our generation had been beaten by every mm-hmm. other generation. Um, just like, you know, constant berating us for everything the way that the traditionalists and the boomers have run things. So when we came in, we kind of screwed over Gen X a little bit because they never got their shot um, in the way that they were promised to get their shot. Whereas for us, we were promised $40,000 a year straight out of college with a four-year degree. And our promise was not given to us either because it was the boomer way. Mm -hmm. And by the time we graduated, we figured it out. We were like, oh no, this this doesn't work anymore. So yeah, it's it's interesting to see and understand that and just see it more clearly now because I now know what motivated the boomers was that they had to pay their dues and then the company would be theirs one day. And then they promised that to the Gen Xers. Yeah, and then we get into dress code and I don't know what it is, but Shaw just stuck with millennials in flip-flops and maybe it's because I work in camping and like to me flip-flops are a no-go but what is with millennials and flip-flops I mean they're comfortable no they're not you don't think flip-flops are comfortable no I like (laughs) flip-flops but I think it's because in the early aughts like the fashion was you know low rise flare jeans with flip flops and a layered top. So I think that that is probably like the first time they saw us, you know, like going into work and like, oh, this is what they think business casual is. And then as we got into the 2010s, millennial fashion turned into business casual. Like even if you went out to the club, you were in business casual, funny enough. So yeah, I think that's why the flip flop thing was just so prevalent or I think did he mention slippers or like Uggs or something? Or am I, I don't. Thinking? He might have in your book, Maybe, but, yeah, but mine was so focused when it came to dress code. Mine was. He did mention that for the older generations, like 
wearing casual Fridays or like organizations that allow employees to make a donation to a charity to be able to wear jeans on Fridays. And then he just stuck with millennials and flip flops. But I thought that that was interesting that like boomers, like I don't want to say this to be mean, but it just seems like boomers were not as creative in making changes in the way things were run as Gen X millennials and Gen Z are because Gen Z not Gen Z, excuse me, Gen X is the reason why we have casual Fridays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were like, no, we're not doing this five days a week. I mean, and the boomers were just like, no, you must dress in a suit and go to work and be uncomfortable all day because this is how it is. Yeah, but and- boom- boomers got rid of the necktie. Oh, yes, that's right. Boomers did get rid of the necktie. I guess, I guess that was kind of a big thing back then. <laughs> so okay they can have that boomers you got rid of the necktie sure but yeah it's just so interesting how far dress codes have come because like when I think about a dress code at work I'm just like as long as you're covered I don't care like right what you buy is not of my concern I just need you to be covered so like especially when you have I always have um you know young women ask me about shorts like how short is too short and I'm like, I don't know. Don't go any smaller than a five inch seam. That seems to work for everybody. Just doesn't matter if you're tall. Cause like some camps still have like mm-hmm. the fingertips policy and it's very difficult for tall, like I'm short, but like tall women, anybody over five, seven to find a pair of shorts that like meet your fingertips is impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, and granted, I prefer shorts that go to that length just because oh, I prefer jeans. And so I go to knee length one because I have to wear shorts here in Alabama. Before I moved here, I did not own any shorts that I wore to work. I stayed in my jeans, but my shorts, my shorts do fit the the finger length rule, but that is personal preference. Like I don't make my staff do that too. Like I do it because it's more comfortable for me, personal preference, but I tell my staff, as long as you can do all the lovely things I ask you in your interview, that it's like bend, turn, twist, stoop, squat, kneel, and then some, um, as and children yanking on your shorts if they're shorter than you, as long as everything stays covered, I'm good. Exactly. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, just how far we've come with dress codes. I just think like, when I even when I started at the zoo, um, we had like a business casual dress code, like you weren't allowed to wear jeans, um, shorts weren't like a no go, like it had to be business casual. And then, you know, more millennials came in and we were like, mm, but do we like, why are we doing this? We work at a zoo. Some of us like work programs were like, we're getting dirty, like, especially in my department. So like, if you're prepping for a program, you might spill a gallon of paint on you. It's happened. Um, (laughs) Like, why can't we just dress for our day? And by like my third year, we had a dress for your day policy. And we also dropped the business casual. So you can wear jeans to the office every single day if you wanted to. You could also wear shorts as long as they weren't like biker shorts or like the like Yiddy or skim shorts. Um, Which for administration, like in your program makes sense. Like, yeah being in an admin role or middle management role or management that makes sense like i wouldn't i would not come to work in bike shorts i'm sorry well one i find them uncomfortable but like even in my role i would not come to work in bike shorts the like the only thing is that they really hold us to is if you're going to see any donors you need to be wearing a, a blazer like that's fair fair 
Yeah. And, and then, then he went into feedback. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, go for it. Go, go, go. <laughs> Which is what I find so difficult with Gen Z. So I can't wait to get to that chapter. I do three evaluations of my staff during the summer. Um, so like the, the first one and the last one is just they do uh, a self assessment. And then we talk about what I'm seeing what versus what they wrote down or like, yeah, we're both seeing the same thing. You're like, you're very self aware. Um, and then work on areas that they want to improve in giving them tips and tricks for that. And then the middle one is um, about program quality. So their delivery of the program and then also like all that kind of um, mesh stuff. So mental, emotional, social health stuff. Um, so I gave one to one of my uh, camp counselors last summer. And apparently I wrote down that he, it, like the way that he was doing this program wasn't fun for the kids. Like I said, like, huh. yeah, just like it wasn't, the kids were not enjoying it. Like it was very much on their faces. Like, I think like, you could have, you know, just made it a little bit more fun for them. He was also just one of those counselors that came in with a bad attitude every day. Like he just didn't want to be there. But normally when he was with the kids, he could turn it on. And that upset him so much that he had to go see his therapist. Like it wasn't like I went back and read it. I had like my managers read it. I was like, like, was there anything terrible in this? And they were like, no, this is actually a really good review. <laughs> it's one thing about making more fun so that has stuck with me now for almost a whole year <laughs> i don't know it's it's hard i'm excited to read that chapter because i want to know where i went wrong yeah mm -hmm. feedback was interesting because again traditionalists seen not heard boomers i feel like there wasn't too much about boomers um with feedback because they were again competing to get into the position. So their feedback was more of you get the job and you're good. Yeah. Xers again, not much. And then us, like we ask for feedback. We want yeah. feedback. We, we welcome it. We're fought we're, we are probably the most receptive generation when it comes to feedback as of right now. Yeah. I believe that because we were trying to figure out what we were doing wrong when we first got out into the business mm -hmm. world and there weren't a lot of jobs. And I mean, albeit the many of us graduated college during the recession. So True. Yep. there's that, but we were just trying to figure out where we went wrong. So we were always asking, how am I doing? Um, so that makes so much sense to me. Like I love getting feedback. And then it's interesting that you brought up the, um, the feedback issue on fun because fun is another one and having fun in the workplace and making sure that it's an environment where you enjoy what you're doing yeah. and I think I think for Gen Z this is going to be a really big topic because at least from what I've learned of from Gen Z and granted remember I don't have the the Gen Z portion in my my part of the book uh, but what I've learned the most from Gen Z is they are the most committed when they enjoy what they are doing and when they have almost like an emotional connection with what they're doing. Yeah, like passion work. Passion. Thank you. That's the word. I would say our generation does too, but not to the same extent that Gen Z does. So like we will, and I think I read that in my book is that, and this really ties into the 12th point of work ethic. So maybe I'll save that for then, but 
The biggest thing is we are passionate and fully committed 100% to what we are doing while we are doing it. And then we might leave, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that is interesting too. Cause like, I remember when there were like millennial startups, like very early on generations before us were complaining like, oh, beanbag chairs and they have full kitchens and you could just get food. And it's like, like yeah. ping pong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you want us in the office five days a week for 45 plus hours, we need time to be able to have downtime during the day to refresh our brains. You better be feeding us because I can't, I don't have time to go grocery shopping because I'm here so much. Um, yeah, I remember that being like a huge deal. Mm -hmm. like, oh, millennials are coming in and they're changing the workforce and they want all these safe spaces. <laughs> Well, we have to have a quiet room and a yoga room. I mean, my place doesn't have that. I wish we did. Uh, mine's the walk-in freezer, so that's <laughs> fine. Mine is the biomaterials closet, which <laughs> has like skulls and furs. <laughs> you just scream into the oblivion. But yeah, it it's interesting to talk about fun in the workplace because I would imagine Gen X, boomers, and traditionalists never saw work as being a place for fun. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. Yeah. That shift definitely happened with us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then knowledge transfer. That just from the little bit that I've read on it, that is so interesting because pre us, that was the lineage that people would work. So traditionalists pass on their knowledge to boomers, boomers pass on their knowledge to Gen X, but Gen X really never got to use that knowledge right yep because we came along we came along and we shifted everything and now you have people our age as ceos of companies or like cfos managing directors um so and people hop jobs now so the knowledge transfer isn't there anymore um well i think it's interesting too because gen z now has access to so much more knowledge than we did growing up yes. so like the knowledge that like the the way that we can grasp information now as millennials pretty standard in the workforce right we're not up and coming in, in, in anymore we've pretty much got our our areas of where we kind of want to work or figuring it out or whatever but we're not we're not new in the workforce no you know but now that we have things like tiktok and chat gpt and you know all these different knowledge the ways that we can grasp knowledge that's great for us and we're trying to figure out how to utilize them in what we've already learned yeah. whereas gen z has had this the entire time they've grown up mm -hmm. so they have literally been i heard them called another i think this their initial igen igen yes yeah. uh was because they were the internet generation and so the amount of knowledge that they have coming into the workforce without having the experience, like they have the knowledge without the experience. Yes. Oh my God. I literally just said that the other day to somebody. <laughs> I was like, yes, they're coming in with all of this knowledge, but they're having the attitude of an experienced worker and they don't have it. Correct. Um, it's so funny. So yeah. then, so then past that, then we have loyalty. Which is, I think that's what I was more getting at, not work ethic, but mm -hmm. we millennials are loyal to a fault to the job that we are working at for the amount of time that we are working there. Whereas traditionalists pick the job and we're there their entire lifetime. And boomers the same. Yep. 
Yeah, that is a very interesting concept. I remember um, when I first started going into the job market for camp, you know, you work at a camp for a few years and you're like, all right, being a camp counselor, got that down. Now I want to move up. But you couldn't move up at your camp. You had to move on to another camp that had an open position. And, you know, I probably did that for about a decade. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember my grandmother saying, like, aren't you worried that you're not going to get hired because you're just jumping jobs all the time? And I said, everybody my age is doing this, no matter what company they're working for, what industry they are in, because there is nowhere to move. Yeah. Um, and I even told, I told a friend of mine and he is same, same generation as we are. He's a millennial too. He's a little bit older than I am, but still a millennial. And at one point he, he was working seasonally as well in the camping industry. And I said, if you want to go into this full time, you need to leave the camp you're at because yeah. he had been at that camp for so many years and not year round in a sense of like full-time year round, but seasonally year round. So he just stayed on from season to season to season. And I was like, you need to leave. And he's like, well, why? I was like, you need more experiences for this industry to, to, to break in. Like you cannot stay at one camp forever unless you plan on trying and attempting to fill a hole that they may or may not have. in I don't know how many years. I mean, I see it happen at the zoo all the time. Like, funny enough, like somebody at the zoo had left maybe eight, 10 months ago to go work at a museum in like we're in Chicago. They went to go work at a museum in Chicago. They just came back to the zoo last week, but they're in a different position, a higher position. But like that happens, like Mm -hmm. you can't stay stagnant if you want to move up. So like moving jobs is what you have to do. And that is not the first time that that has happened. Like it happens between us and the aquarium, the the science museum, um, you know, so it's, it, that's just normal now, you know, mm-hmm. loyalty is only for when you are working for that company. Yep. And then we go to meetings. This one was interesting because in my book, they talked about how millennials would be on the computer during yes. a meeting or their phone or something. And the, the boomers and the Xers would get offended because they thought we weren't listening. Mm-hmm. But if you ask us a question, we can still give it to you. Like we can still give you the answer. We know exactly what you're talking about. We are just on the computer as well. And I think this is going to get with Gen Z. I think this is going to be progressively, I don't want to say getting worse, but be more the norm where they are like, we changed our phone policy this year. And now my big thing I have to watch out for is like Apple watches. Cause it yeah. used to be, you lock your phones up. Now it's, you can have your phone, but you need, can't be on it. Like you can have it in your backpack, you know, whatever. But meet this was interesting because meetings used to be, everybody's attentive. Everybody's taking notes. Everybody, one person leads the meeting it wasn't as collaborative as they all now are. Yeah, this was a good one. Phones out uh, for camp. I don't care if my counselors have their phones because I text them regularly. Like, because uh, I don't know where they are most of the day because <laughs> the zoo is big. Uh, so I need them to have their phones. But if I do see somebody that's on their phone excessively, then I do have a conversation with them. Yeah. It was very interesting to understand that older generations might find us looking at our computers or down on our phones rude. I think nine and 10 went really hand in hand 
um, because it was policies and respect. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like with those and really, actually, really the last four policies, respect, training and work ethic to me, like, yes, there was a chapter on each one of them, but after reading them, like I personally thought they could have all been combined into one chapter. I'm not there yet, so I don't have an opinion on it. But from the little intros that he did, I don't know if they should be one chapter, but I could change my mind. Because <laughs> I really liked about, especially for policies, like, are they rules or are they guidelines? And I actually got into it with, a, I would assume, probably a young boomer or an older Gen X person at a conference. We were talking about policies and like how far they can go into a worker's personal life. Mm -hmm. um, and I am under the understanding that any of my policies should not interact with the with the person's life outside of when they're not here. Um, so we were talking about like uh, drug and alcohol policies and this one person was like, well, they're not allowed to drink for the whole summer. I've heard camps who do that too. Yeah, and I was like, they have off time, right? And he was like, yeah, but they they sign a contract that they're not allowed to drink there. And I said, you know, don't you think that that policy is going too far? Like, I feel like you're encroaching on something that may be like legally questionable for one, um, but also if they're of age, why can't they enjoy a beer on their day off or like on the few hours off that they get if it's a sleepaway camp? I didn't I didn't ask what his camp was. Um, but yeah, we got into it really heavy and he was talking about like dress code policy too and like their social media policies that they have to have like a clean social media presence online, which sure, I get it. Some parents do look you up, but at the same time, Gen Z has lived their entire life online mm -hmm. so every single bad thing what could be considered bad by an employer probably was documented and can be found online somewhere and i'm sure if our workers or our employers were went down into our parents basement they would find some pretty interesting pictures of us as well but that doesn't happen so i don't think that those things that you find on social media unless they're like unaliving someone <laughs> like or intentionally racist or transphobic, any of like those big things shouldn't really be held against mm -hmm. them. And this person was like, no, these are our policies and we want our parents to know that we're hiring, you know, dedicated professional kids. And I'm like, you just said like my point, they're kids. <laughs> like you're like, you're hiring 18 to like 25 year olds. That's when you do all of the, the debauchery in your life. So, just let them do it as long as they're not doing it on the clock and it's not affecting their work. Well, and if they, yeah. And I would say too, we always tell our staff, like, do what you do in your own off time. Just make sure you are aware of what t-shirt you're wearing. And it does not say yep. your camp and staff on it, because if you do something stupid and you get arrested and make the news and you're wearing a staff shirt, well, you're not coming back to work. Yes, so 100%. So I mean, yes. So that's what I tell my staff is like, do what you do in your own off time. Don't let it drag into work. 
Um, and just be very conscious of what shirt you're wearing because now that there's pictures and stuff of everything and everything gets posted online, like you could be with a bunch of friends and you might not even be doing anything dumb, but the fact that you're wearing a camp shirt and they're doing something dumb, you then get associated with doing it as well. So that's our big thing. For sure. Yeah. I agree with that right there. Yeah. And then respect. I feel like that one, that one for sure goes into policies and then training. How do I learn best? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to think about it in that way, because we when we talk about learning styles, we talk about like everybody is different, but this is grouping us generationally. Yeah. So I'm interested to see what you learned. Um, so I think it kind of went back to like knowledge transfer a lot, uh, because when the boomers were learning from the traditionalists, it was very hands on learning like you you learned from doing and then with us and Xers, it was go to college and learn that way and all those empty promises. So I am too curious to see what they do with Gen Z and then work ethic, the the daunting work ethic. <laughs> yeah, it goes back to what I said before about, you know, millennials and Gen Zs just get things done quicker. Um, so like, do we need to be at work for eight hours a day if we can get that amount of work done in five? I mean, I am one of those people that is constantly talking about how a five day work week doesn't make any sense to anybody's life. Like, um, how are we only allowed to experience this wonderful thing that we get for such a short time for two days a week? Like, it doesn't, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, and you know, a lot of it goes back to capitalism. Um, And if you haven't noticed, I am very (laughs) anti-capitalist. So, yeah like i i'm with the gen zers here like i i don't think i need to be at work for when camp isn't running obviously i was gonna say Uh, the only time i feel like i really have to be here is the weeks couple the few weeks leading up to camp so like all of may um Mm -hmm. but then i'm getting and i'm working you know six seven days a week in may and then the five days a week during the summer which i usually end up working six just so that i can sort lost and found uh (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I mean during my off season I'm usually working like in the fall when camp has initially ended I usually work like a eight to two thirty um I now granted I usually work it like five days a week um Mm -hmm. just because out of habit but I mean even if you were to condense that I mean that's really three and a half four days yeah so I I think in a perfect world a three-day work schedule is good you're at work making money for three days and then you have four days to do life like we're only given a finite amount of years here and i don't want to spend it all in an office like that i mean i am and it's not even about work ethic i don't think because when i'm at work i work hard i think it's more about understanding that like especially for our generation we work to live we don't live to work and Mm -hmm. i think that's even more true for gen z and that we want to actually live and experience life. We don't want to wait till we retire like the generations before us were told because we don't even know if we're going to be able to retire. Right. I mean, I that's think- why that's why we end up having the, all these generations in the workplace, though, is because things have changed so much yeah. to where people who originally thought they could retire and just enjoy life are now having to just even part-time work so that they have some sort of income to supplement their retirement they may have saved for. Uh, but yeah, I mean, with everything going on, I, we're not retiring. <laughs> They're going like the boomers are literally going to bleed social security dry. And that is of no consequence to them. Like no. they didn't 
to be born. So it, it's just one of those things where I, I, I think that older generations look at this as work ethic and we look at this as work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with ethic. And I think that that is the one thing when I was reading through this and I was like, oh, you boomer. Like, <laughs> cause the guy who wrote it is in the boomer generation. Yep. So that was the one where I was just like, mm, I understand why this is a sticking point, but I think as a whole, we need to change the conversation around work ethic. We're not going to work and like not doing our job. We're not, go- we're going to work and not doing any extra. Right. Cause we're not being paid well enough, just like the generations before us were. There's really only small movement. There's no raises. There's very few bonuses, if any at all, maybe in the corporate world, but, but we're not there. <laughs> And I would say that a lot of millennials don't work in the corporate world no. because you know how awful it is. Like I have friends that were in the corporate world for, you know, 10, 12 years, they burnt out and now they're doing what I do. It was just too much because it is like, you know, you have to be at work 100% of the time or you're not showing the company that you want to be there. And it's like, nobody wants to work. Like- yeah, I, I don't, I don't, and I don't see Gen Z going into corporate at all. Like I think that is and and by corporate i mean in an office every day now they might work in corporate as a work from home but i feel that that is a totally different version of corporate because it's a little bit more relaxed like when i think corporate i think skyscraper in manhattan you know kind of like the boomer the typical boomer but you know, it doesn't matter to any age, but I think travels to the city for work. Yes. Like that's what I, what I picture, um, when I think corporate and I really think that that is diminishing quickly at the height of the pandemic. I went, my mom had a condo in North Carolina. Um, so I went down there for a couple of weeks just to stay away from the city because I lived in a city without had a high death rate. And I was just like, I don't need to be here. So I went and saw my mom for we. I worked from home. I worked from the condo, like, but I still got out and got sun. I got to swim in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Like I still got to do things. I, and I was still working at the same time. Yeah. I think that idea of a home office space is going to disappear, especially with the high cost of rent. Mm-hmm. Like I know, um, ACA Illinois, like we had a, we had an office in a building downtown in Chicago. Um, and Nope, not anymore. We're going to stick to this work from home. I'm on the ACA Illinois board, um, just for backstory. Uh, but yeah, it just works better. It's more cost efficient. And that money that they were using for rent is going to be used to help kids get to camp now. Woo-hoo. So funny enough that we're talking about this because yesterday, the WHO or the National mm-hmm. declared that the COVID emergency was over and not even 15 minutes later, we got an email from HR saying that they want us all to return to three days a week in the office, um, which my department had been doing since January anyway, um, because we have on-site programs. So like, it's hard to- you, you, Yeah, it's hard to- Yeah, um, with Wednesday being the day that we're all here. So that way we can connect with coworkers and we also have a department meeting on Wednesday. But it was just so funny that that came in and I was just like, that just got announced. <laughs> <laughs> They had that ready to go. Uh huh. <laughs> so 
it is interesting to see that. And I will say that the majority of the people that are in my upper management where I work are boomers. Um, so yeah, I could see why they would want that because they don't know any other way. And they think that what we're talking about is insane. I just feel like they're like this work from home. Um, Cause I know a lot of corporate companies that are actually making um, their staff download like key tracking software and like movement software just to see if they're working from home. But I don't know if you're seeing work being done, like if they're meeting deadlines and all this stuff, then they're working. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, I also think that the work from home kind of depletes the middle manager um, where a lot of Gen X and boomers are. Yes. And uh, I think that that is a threat to, you know, their positions of power inside of a company. Um, and nobody needs a middle manager if you're working from home, you know, like you're not working on a team. There's no like you may be working on a team virtually, but there's not going to be that much like need to get everybody together for morale and right. Like, yeah, the, the, the key person to talk to, because the great thing with the Internet is like if I have a question for whoever's over here, I can just shoot them a message on teams and they get back to me. I don't have to go through my manager anymore to do that. So I think that that is also another sticking point with this work ethic idea is that you're making our positions obsolete by mm -hmm. doing this, which is scary. I'd be scared. I would be too. So do you recommend the book? 100%. It's like $20. Get it wherever books are sold. But yeah, I, I really recommend this book to anybody that's working across multiple generations, no matter if you're a boomer or if you're a Gen Z, this book is going to provide you with a lot of ways to communicate with the people you work with without letting those generational barriers get in the way or at least noticing them and being able to point them out. Awesome. Sweet. Yeah. Well, I hope we didn't circle too much and <laughs> that we encourage you to go read this book because yeah it was really good and yes. if you want more i would say this would this went well so i mean if you want another book recommendation from shauna and i i guess we could we could do something like this again just let us know yeah. because this was kind of fun i enjoyed this and so, we are always reading. So. And we are always reading. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye.